Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church, located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacy of planning worship each week. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. And during this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today's episode will be a conversation with Bishop Cynthia Fierro Harvey. Bishop Harvey is the resident bishop of the Louisiana area, which includes a conference in the South Central jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. In connection with her Episcopal assignment, she serves as the president of the Council of Bishops. She also serves on the boards of trustees for Centenary College and the Perkins School of Theology Executive Board. Bishop Harvey is a board member of the United Methodist Foundation of Louisiana and president of the Louisiana Interchurch Conference. Welcome, Bishop Harvey. We're delighted to have a few moments with you today to talk about the United Methodist Church and get your perspective on where we are going and how we're going to get there. You are a busy person, and we are so delighted that you could carve out some moments with us. Before we get started, um, something we like to ask all our guests is, how are you doing? And and what did you do to survive these months of quarantine? Uh, I am doing great. I will just say uh, perhaps a, a little road weary um, and uh, uh, just a, a year, almost a year and a half of being in this um, cycle of pandemic. Mm. Um, I calculated the other day that... Um, it been somewhat over a thousand days before uh, since we had gathered as an annual conference. Both our annual conferences the last two years have been virtual. And, you know, that we, there's so much you can do virtually, but you get to a point where you kind of exceed your capacity to do oh. hard things virtually. Um, sure. But I've lived on Zoom. Um, I will say, you know, in addition to um, to the pandemic and the quarantine and all of the the issues that we faced last year. I, I do live in Louisiana and nine times last year we were in the cone of uncertainty. We had uh, three hurricanes, uh, some historic flooding, uh, the freeze that, you know, we're not used to freezes around here. Right. Uh, so we had just, you know, one thing after another really. And, uh, and then you add the pandemic to that. It was a hard year. And it's been a hard year um, for our clergy and for our churches. And I I get a sense of the heaviness of that. And so um, as we've been able to spend a little bit more time together in person, I've I've tried to capitalize on that. And as much as I can um, meet with clergy one-on-one, we're meeting in some small groups um, later on in August and and just trying to reconnect and reestablish some really important relationships that I believe, um, really suffered uh, during this time. I'm also, you know, just thinking about the weariness and the weightiness of this time um, on and what what that effect has on our clergy. And, right. you know, Diana, you and Derek, you all know that, I mean, every day these clergy folk were having to adapt to a new way 
And we went from, you know, worship to no worship to virtual worship to do you do online communion? You know what? All of those adaptive things. And, mm-hmm. and you think about that. No two days were the same. And now they've pivoted yet again to in-person worship. Do we limit? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Uh, I live in a state where only, you know, um, 30, what, 36 percent of the people are vaccinated. So uh, we have to think about that. And uh, so, I mean, it's just it's just a lot. Um, And none of us know how to do this. Right. We've never done it before. We've never done it before. And, you know, I would get calls like, you know, Bishop, what do we do about this? I'm like, "Um, I I don't know. Let me get back to you. Let me think about this. Um, I didn't know any more than anybody else. And Mm -hmm. so we were we were really just, you know, um, building the bridge as we walked across it, flying, you know, building the plane as we flew it, all of those metaphors. It felt like we were doing that every single day. So um, I am doing better, um, but starting to see sort of some, some some sense of uh, some calm. Um, You add to that sort of the uncertainty of the church uh, being the president of the council. Do we have a special session? Do we not have a special Mm. session of general conference? Are we ever going to meet? You know, it's just, you know, I, this is, yeah, I, I've used the word unprecedented more mm. than ever before, and it feels overused, but I can't think of another word. But uh, each day is different. But with each day, um, I think we're finding our, our a new footing. I yeah. keep telling our, our pastors that um, we shouldn't go back to how things were. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, things weren't really normal before, really, uh, if we really think about it. And um, so what is, what is the new way? What is the new path? What is, what is the, uh, perhaps a new way that we can feel alive again uh, in our ministry? And um, so I, I, I'm hoping that uh, we don't just go back to what was comfortable um, and how think you know, back to you know, people say, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Mm. Well, well, that wasn't, yeah. really, that wasn't very normal. Um, <laughs> and so I'm hoping that as we, we recreate ourselves, this is an opportunity uh, to recreate everything about who we are, how we are, what we do, how we worship mm. um, and how well, we are people. Yeah. And I think that's where the energy is, right? It's not like thinking about how do we go back? Cause that, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of, uh, new energy with that. But when you think about how can we create, how can we reimagine, um, take what we've learned from the 15 months of, of, of quarantine and being in different stages of that and, and relaunch, restart, uh, rebuild, you know, as a, going back to what we thought was normal. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I've been seeing more energy around, especially with church musicians that I talk to, um, around restarting, you know, and so that even though we're all weary, I think that's where the energy will come. Yeah, yeah. Leverage, you know, how do we leverage what we've learned? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just that, that for me, I kind of keep this running list of all of my learnings. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the things I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, the world will come to an end if we don't do X. Um, you know, I've just really, uh, the essentials, what are the essentials? And that's so Wesleyan, right? Um, mm. but what, what are those things that really uh, are at the heartbeat, um, that are our, our compass, uh, especially when things get so disrupted, 
I'd yeah. like to think things are, you know, I, I don't even use the words. I don't use language like post pandemic. I don't think we're there. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, we're going to have to learn to live in this. So every day we've got to think about, you know, how, how do we respond to, um, to what's happening today um, mm-hmm. and in a way that's faithful. How, how can we use what we've learned, as, as you said? I, I think that's a, a vital approach that a lot of folks are taking. Yeah. Well, I, I also love the phrase that you use, the cone of uncertainty. <laughs> that just, uh, that, that sounds so appropriate to, to where we have Doesn't been. Yeah. And, I, I actually have a pastor that she says she's going to write a book, uh, <laughs> Living in the Cone of Uncertainty. And now what we know in South Louisiana is we're talking about hurricanes, mm. but I think as a church, we, we're living in a cone of uncertainty every day. So, you, you know, I, I love that title. <laughs> Yeah, that, no, that's that's great. But I think one of the things that happened in, in the midst of that, you know, as you said, when we had to learn how to do it all over again from the beginning, is that we set aside some of the larger issues about the denomination and the church. That I, we didn't hear a lot of conversation about that. But now, as we begin to come out, some of that's coming back up. And I think there is some concern and there's some fear and some anxiety about about the church, the denomination, as well as what I'm doing in my local church. And so part of part of why we ask you is we'd just like to pick your brain and are you able to see beyond the now and to think what might the church look like after General Conference when and if it ever happens? Um, what, yeah. what do you see in the future? You know, uh, as I say, I'll polish off my crystal ball and That's right, please. Uh, see what I see. Uh, it's more like a snow globe, I think. Um, I, um, you know, my hope, and this is again my personal hope, is that um, we can find some peace in a post-general conference kind of world. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the quarreling, the quarreling might stop. Um, I envision a um, a United Methodist Church that is. Um, inclusive. I envision a United Methodist Church, not to abuse this, but um, a big tent where the seams aren't ripping apart. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a conversation with a clergy person recently, and it was like, you know, our seams in our big tent are ripping apart and the water is starting to come in. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I go back to tent making. (laughs) What does that look like? Uh, in in a new in a new United Methodist Church, what is the new narrative of a United Methodist Church? Um, I'm hopeful for that. Um, I, I do believe that probably some form of separation is inevitable. Uh, personally, I I, I don't I, I I grieve that. I lament that, but I also recognize that um, we've learned that um, I'm. Uh, there are folks that, that just can't live under that same tent without ripping the seams apart. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, I do, I'm hopeful, uh, again, uh, not knowing where we're going to be uh, in the fall of 2022. Um, and uh, right now in the work of the commission, uh, they're doing heroic work, planning for a general conference in the midst of everything that's happening around the world. And uh, I'm just, it, I, I do believe though, Derek, when you ask that question, uh, I've often said, and now I'm, I'm kicking myself for saying it. Um, I've, I've talked to 
some about the stuckness of the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I've kicked myself now for saying it. The structure of the church might be stuck. The general mm-hmm. conference might be stuck. Sure. I just don't think ministry is stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things that I've just experienced over these last um, few, few months as we've sort of more of us have been vaccinated and are able to get out you know, I just see the, the the creativity and the innovation and the the willingness to risk by some of our our clergy and our lay people and our lay leadership in our congregations. And I, I we're not stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, we may be stuck in the quadrinium that never ends. I call this the you know <laughs> like the groundhog quadrinium. You know, every day is still the <laughs> quadrinium, but. But I, I really believe that somehow in, uh, in this time, uh, we've, we're, we've learned some things. Mm-hmm. We're doing some new things. Um, I have, uh, we had a church in Louisiana that was supposed to launch in March of last year. <laughs> uh, the, and we, we went into total shutdown, if you remember, about yes. Thursday, Friday, that second, third week of March. They were supposed to launch that Sunday. Wow. And what they've now, they've spent the last, you know, 15 months uh, experimenting. They did online worship. They did pop-up worship once we were able to gather a little bit more. Um, And they're going to relaunch again in August, I think, in a much stronger place than they would have been in March of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just can't see that we're stuck. I, um, I was um, trying to meet with pastors along the way. And one of my pastors said, well, if you come on Monday, you can help us with vacation Bible school. And he sort of said it joking. And I'm like, oh, no, no. You know, as a bishop, that's the kind of stuff you miss when you're no longer in a local church. And I'm like, yes, I'd love to help with vacation Bible school. And, and this church had limited the number of children in vacation Bible school. So what they did instead is they had vacation Bible school for several weeks. So can you imagine? I mean, I, I don't know how long it's been since you've done vacation Bible school, but oh my gosh, I can't imagine doing, you know, several multiple weeks of BBS, but they did in order. And I think in the end, they probably had the same number of children that they would have had uh, if they'd had it all at one time. So when you ask me about a post general conference church, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the current where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And um, really celebrating uh, some of the innovation that we've almost been forced to go there. Yeah, and we've done some pretty amazing things. So mm-hmm. uh, the church ain't stuck. <laughs> I, just, I wonder, Richard, if, if actually we could combine the innovation and creativity that you're talking about with the focus on essentials. You know what really matters, and and maybe mm-hmm. somewhere in that dynamic between those two things, that's. That's where the church needs to head, you know, back yeah. to the roots in one sense, but also in a new spirit, a new fire. Right. You know, I, I think about um, it, the, the first annual conference that we did virtually, and we just did we did stick to the essentials. The second time we stuck to the essentials with a few more things, but the more complex it gets, the harder it gets. But you realize, like I said earlier, that the things you thought, oh my gosh, you know, we're all going to shrivel up and die if we don't do this like what and and you know what we're we're still here 
We're still here. <laughs> yeah. um, and to me, that's um, if there are any gifts of the of this um, pandemic, it's that I think we we've, we've learned. Derek, you're absolutely right. What is essential? What is important? What is at the very heart of what it means to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world? Why, you know, if we, we've connected in more ways than we ever have, um, I was saying to you earlier before we, we went live here that, that I've been in more worship services in the last 15 months than ever before, because I couldn't have gone from Monroe, Louisiana to New Orleans and back to Alexandria and then to Baton Rouge in one day. I could have never done that, but I I was able to do that. Um, And that that offered, I think, some really great opportunities. Um, And if you have time, I'll tell you one fun story is that. Yeah, uh, we have a pastor in Alexandria and uh, at Newman United Methodist Church, a predominantly black church. And uh, early on in the pandemic, um, there was a church, uh, there was a couple um, in Portland or someplace like um, up in the Pacific Northwest. This young couple was looking for worship at Newman United Methodist Church in their area. They were members of Newman United Methodist Church. So they Googled and they saw, oh, yeah, here it is, Newman United Methodist Church. And they clicked and there they were at, with Tiffany Postel but they were not in Newman in the Pacific Northwest. They were in Newman in Alexandria, Louisiana. <laughs> and, and, and she happens to be a dynamic, high energy kind of pastor. And here's this young, you know, white couple in this predominantly black church with this amazing pastor. Well, they've con- they continued to worship with her for several weeks. And they said, you know, once, once we're able to travel, we want to come to Newman United Methodist Church in Alexandria, Louisiana, uh, to see you. So they've connected. They were a part of her Bible studies, uh, Sunday morning worship. So, you know, where, when else would have that have happened? Right. Um, and so, I, you know, I celebrate some of these things and I celebrate the the pastors who are, you know, probably you know, they are they're tired of recreating, but they continue yeah. to do so. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to um, backtrack just a little bit and talk about you mentioned, um, you know, we will in some way or other split. There'll be a split. There'll be a separation of, of entities. It could be two way split, three way split. And then also you hear a lot. Well, the church is fracturing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, uh, I know for me that causes some confusion in my brain as to which one's better or what do they each mean? Um, and so how do you view that? And, um, how, how do you, again, think about what happens after 2022? Um, will there be a several way split? Will there be a fracturing? Could you speak to that? Yeah, I don't know, Diana. I wish there was an easy answer. That's a really hard question because I don't think any of us know. And those of you who are more veteran uh, general conference kind of people probably know more. But it is rare that something um, starts off in the ADCA and comes out the same way yeah. <laughs> you know? after it goes through committee and, and all that. And there are several um, pieces of legislation in the ADCA having to do with this. So I don't know which direction um, or how it's going to splinter. Um, I don't want us to, to um, 
splinter ourselves to shreds uh, either. But um, I I really don't know what uh, it will exactly look like. I don't think that any of us probably can predict that. Um, My hope is that we will be um, grace-filled in the process, Mm -hmm. um, that we don't... um, uh, that we don't do more harm than we've already done to one another. And, and that's all sides. I'm, I'm not going to have everybody's has been enough harm to go around. Um, and I just, you know, I pray that we, we just stop the harm. And, um, you know, of course, you know, I, I, I am, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for a church that there is some acceptance and some full inclusion, but I realize that not everybody is there. And, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't want to dishonor that, you know, because we disagree and we have maybe a different perspective of this. It doesn't make you right and me wrong or me wrong and you right. It doesn't make me better or worse or less or more. It is just where we are. And I think there's something that, that I, you know, I hope that we, we honor, that we can bless wherever this goes um, bless and send one another versus, I think somebody said bless and send versus bless and rend. Um, we don't, we don't need to do that. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. first of all, there's nothing that resembles Christian about that, but you know, can we honor one another and say, Mm -hmm. you know, I may not agree with you. You won't agree with me, but this, this is, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to love one another. Uh, we're going to honor where we are. Mm -hmm. And, um, rather than scream at each other from opposite sides of the room. I'm, I'm not one that, um, I don't mind conflict. I don't avoid conflict, but I also believe in being, um, uh, respectful of one another, respectful of where people stand. I don't like the name calling. I just don't, I really don't have a lot of tolerance for that. So wherever this goes, I just pray that we can do it with some grace. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I believe that, you know, um, our leadership can model that for us. You all on the Council of Bishops, um, uh, other leaders in the Methodist Church. And, and I, that's where I, my hope is placed right now is that uh, through the grounding process that we have gone through in this time of pandemic, um, that perhaps that has shown us that we can be um, more loving to one another one another because that that is what god would want of it want of us are there any other hopeful signs that you see for the future of the united methodist church um you know i in addition to just seeing incredible ministry happening i i'm encouraged by the conversations uh, Mm. that are happening on especially on some very difficult subjects (laughs) um like, you know, just specifically racism. Um, I think the effort toward anti-racism um, is something that that no matter what happens, <laughs> uh, those conversations are really crucial uh, to our future, not just as United Methodists, but crucial to us as 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 human beings on on this earth is how do we really uh, have conversations that, that are are creating some change. And, um, you know, I love Meg Wheatley says, you know, conversation is the currency of change. Mm. Uh, and so we, we've got to continue to have these conversations and they're not easy. 
and we're going to stumble and we're going to say the wrong thing. Um, I know that, but um, again, it's part of that respect uh, and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm a, I'm a work in progress here. I still want to learn and, and listen and hear. And, you know, I am a woman of color. So I'm, I'm my, my sensitivity uh, is a little bit higher perhaps than someone else. Um, but I, I want to make sure that, that we're actually hearing people, especially those people that are, those people that are inside the edge, um, you know, way out there in the margins. Cause I think that sometimes we hear everybody that's in the middle, you know, those are the loud voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, the further you get from the center, um, the harder sometimes it is for us to hear, and uh, so I'm, I'm really hopeful that we'll continue to work our way toward inside the edge, as I call it. I think Richard Rohr first said that, something about living inside the edge, um, to, to hear those voices of the, of the people that are living, breathing every day, um, this, things that those of us in the center may not even experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, that's, that's a sign of hope. Uh, I, I, I think we're, you know, even as a, as a, as a, um, a country in the United States and certainly around the world, you're starting to, to get a sense that, uh, we're, we're at least aware, <laughs> becoming more aware, but there are people for whom, you know, this, there, it's a long road. It's a long road. So it, it's not something that's solved. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we're going to decide that on, you know, December 31st, we are no longer going to be racist. <laughs> you don't, you know, you, it, it is a, it is a work that yeah. is con- on the continuum because you, you, and I, and I talk with my hands. So, you know, you only move so far and then you've got to move yet one more, one more step. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you can, you arrive. I think you're a work in progress and we've got to recognize that. And I think that the, the work that the, the council of bishops and the boards and agencies have done toward uh, anti-racism it's just a start. It's just, we're starting to scratch the surface. And uh, I, I think that that work uh, is hopeful for me. And uh, I, I pray that, that we don't lose sight of it. And, you know, it seems like it becomes more important, you know, the next time somebody, something happens, right? right. Uh, and yeah. it, and it, it, we can't wait. You know, it's like, we can't just sit back and say, okay, well, we're here now. And then tomorrow something happens and we, you know, everything up, you know, is in an uprise again. It's got to be constant. It's got to be constant and intentional and very intentional. And we've got to be willing to call one another on this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I I will say, and and this is probably a risky thing for me to say, but um, I learned this about particularly um, issues with women, that things often in a group don't change until a male says something about mm-hmm. the way a woman is treated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, it, I've, I've learned that. So I think that some of this is not going to change until a white person says, enough, we're not going to say that. We're not going right. to do that. We're not going to be that way. We, we can't leave this to just our, um, our, our, our siblings of color to call it, I think we're going to have to rely on um, on some of our our white siblings to say, you know, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You don't treat her that way. Mm-hmm. You don't say that about them. 
Um, and I, I really think that that's, that's for me kind of a next step in this. Uh, in, in where I serve in Louisiana, we passed a resolution where every one of our committees uh, on, in, in the conference, um, board of ministry to trustees, uh, has an anti-racist advocate. And it's not just a monitor that, you know, makes hash marks every time we say something that's a racist remark or do something. It is somebody that's that's really going to keep us accountable to saying that we want to work toward being an anti-racist conference. Now, I, I know that we're far from it, but um, every committee, every board has an anti-racist advocate. We have named them by name. And uh, they will be, you know, we're working on some training for them and for the committees. So, um, you know, I think that's a step. Uh, it's a baby step, but it's a step. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One, one of the things you said, Bishop, is that we have to be willing to call one another out. Well, we also need to be willing to be called, <laughs> to be mm -hmm. challenged about that. That's, and sometimes that's harder. You know, it's easy exactly. for me to point to, to somebody else doing something. But when somebody says it to me, it, it, it's harder to take. But I, I agree, and um, and that is that that's so that's that's so wise for you to say that. Thank you. Well, I've been challenged, so I have to do that. <laughs> but you also uh, the other thing I appreciated what you said about about this going to be a long haul. We have to spend time in that, but we ought to be good at that because that's the nature of our faith. Right. Is taking the long route. You know, mm. how often in scripture does it talk about the process being saved, being rooted and grounded? You know, it's not something that happens overnight and it takes a, a long time. Right, right. Being transformed. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, sanctification. I think that's exactly going on to perfection. <laughs> mm. We're always going. Well, what what is burning in your heart when it comes to your prayer life? Bishop, what 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 do you pray for the most fervently about, and what can you challenge us to be praying for? You know, uh, I pray. Um, I, I do. I've said this in several settings, so you may have already heard this. But um, each day, my um, my practice has been to start with some adaptation of Second Timothy. Uh, come, Holy Spirit, come. Give me a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And oh, by the way, today I need a little extra humility, or today I might need uh, some patience. And today, you know, and I add my list. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon a family member's life, uh, breakthrough. Uh, and so I just kind of go through that as my own liturgy and my own litany. But probably the thing I pray for more every day right now than anything is trust. Mm. Help me to trust, especially when I have none. Uh, help me go to bed. This is my bedtime. Help me go to bed trusting. Tonight I will go to bed trusting. Oh. That's hard. It is hard. Uh, Tell me more about trusting in whom and and. Human trust relationships with God or, or all the above? Uh, yes, uh, but trusting in God, trusting that um, all manner of things shall be well, trusting mm. in the goodness and grace, uh, trusting that I am a child of God, trusting that I am enough. 
mm-hmm. um, that, uh, so I, again, I kind of my, my own litany uh, that I have, I probably ought to start writing these things down. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my most common is trusting in God, trusting that I am good enough, mm-hmm. uh, trusting that um, I am a, a child of God, uh, trusting that, you know, God does transform people yes. and places um, and just help me to trust, help me to trust in you. And uh, so I, I, you know, often a hymn kind of comes through uh, <laughs> of some sort, uh, breaks through in that time. But uh, each night it's uh, help me to go to bed trusting. To, and then I, yeah, I have to say tonight I will go to bed trusting. It's a very help me to versus I will mm-hmm. uh, are two very different things. But um, because I think trust is, is the thing that I, for me um, that I have, you know, I, I have to believe that, that God loves me enough <laughs> that, you know, all manner of things shall be well. I want to trust that that should be plenty. Um, but, and I should not have to be convinced. Right. Um, but there are days that I think, golly, you know, I have to be convinced. We yeah. seem to be living in an untrustworthy time. You know, I mean, yeah. we've talked a lot about the church, but then we live in a nation that seems to be uh, untrustworthy in so many ways. And, and it's hard to see a way through. And I, I, frankly, Bishop, I'm, I'm convicted by your prayer to, I think that's a powerful prayer that, that perhaps if together we could all begin to pray to learn to trust more. I, I think that would be transformative. Um, Can you imagine? Uh, and, you know, I, I also think of the the power of, of combined uh, prayer. You know, when I add my prayer to yours or you add your mm-hmm. prayer to mine, um, how, 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 you know, can you imagine what could happen? Um, so, um, I, you know, the, the, that's, um, that that's actually I'm just said something to you is very pretty personal right now, but that's where I am. I hear that, but, but profound, and I and I thank you for that gift. And all those who will be listening in, I hope will take that away as, mm-hmm. as a prayer that they can pray too. In fact, I'd like to ask you if you don't mind if you would, as we come to a close, if you would pray for us and with us and and set us on the path. Um, I'd be happy to thank you, and I appreciate the time uh, with you and. Um, and, you know, wh- one of the ways that that right now that we've had to reconnect and reestablish relationship is in these virtual platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has been a gift. I've talked to more people, been in more meetings. Uh, and so I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be with you and um, uh, and just to to together listen for what God is trying to do with and for us in this time. So. Um, I'll pray now if, if, Please. if yes, we're ready. Okay, great. Um, gracious God, uh, here we are. Uh, welcome to our virtual table. Oh God, we know that you have prepared it for us and, uh, what a bounty you set before us, a bounty of wonderful people, wonderful ministry, and an opportunity to serve you. You entrust us with so much, oh God, that there are days that we doubt even ourselves, um, and so I just pray uh, this day that you would help us to trust, to trust in you, to trust in one another, to trust in your goodness and your love and your mercy, trusting that we are good enough, 
that you have chosen us to be your children, um, that we are, in fact, interconnected with one another in ways that are, are even hard to fathom and hard for us to even begin to imagine. But that connection is so, so important, especially in times of seasons as we're facing right now. So we thank you, O oh God, and, and we just ask you to be present in our lives, stirring us, send your Holy Spirit upon us that, that we might feel um, the, the sense of your movement in our lives, that it might be palpable, that we might feel it, see it, hear it, smell it, and taste it. Taste your goodness this day, that we might taste your goodness this day. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Bishop Harvey, for sharing your heart with us today. And thank you all for joining us today, those of you who are listening. We hope that this has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information at our website at umcdiscipleship.org. And I want to make a plug here. We do have a program called Courageous Conversations and also Prayers for Change, Prayers for Anti-Racism that are um, developed by Derek. And so please look at both of those as follow-ups to our conversation today. And we want you to tell us what you think. So send us an email. Until next time, we will be praying for and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. Be blessed. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.